Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm JC with the You Made New podcast. We are going to continue on our journey, like I've been saying every episode, to, especially at the beginning, lay the foundation of our new walk um, to the new world of rest and peace when it comes to these areas of our lives. The foundational things that I believe um, have worked best for me and for those I coach, I've seen these as the common threads that have come up that kind of need to be dealt with early on. Um, So I'm sure you saw the title. Maybe you're a little curious where I'm going with that. I mean, you probably already have an idea, but this was a big one for me and it's a big one for a lot of us. And I will also admit right from the start, I know I'm going to fully acknowledge this is a sensitive issue. It really was for me personally, but I've seen the same thing in in my clients. I've seen tears. I've seen um, deeply held emotions and attachments when it comes to our favorite comfort food. This, I don't take this subject lightly. I've had people tell me to my face more than one time, especially when they found out that I've moved beyond um, sugar as my favorite therapy and happy place. When they find out that I eat differently now, they're like, I'd rather die. I just, I would rather die. I, if you take that away, there's no joy left in my life. And when you make statements like that, which again, I made myself, you can see how deep this goes. I've had clients. And again, I've done it call food. It's my best friend. I mean, chocolate, get women started on chocolate. This is my best friend. It's my therapy. It's my escape. It's my happy place. I couldn't live without that. I have a stash and you can bet the minute that stash is empty, boy, I'm, I'm making sure I'm refilling it. It is my coping mechanism. It is how I deal with stress. And so coming from a deep understanding of that, because I walked in that place for 20 years, but also having seen many others sit in my office with me and cry tears over this. Um, I don't take this subject lightly. I would never, never as a health coach, just offer pat solutions or, or simple little three-step plan. That's, that's not how this works for those of us that are deeply attached to some kind of food as our comfort. I had one woman once sitting in the office that was in well into her sixties. And again, tears streaming down her face. And she started describing to me how when she was young, they were very, very poor. And so they never got a chocolate bar. It was so rare. So on those moments when dad came home with a chocolate bar for each of the kids, she said it was so precious. Like it felt like gold in my hands. And from those years was born this deep sentimental, emotional attachment that carried on well into her sixties. I mean, decades. And how dare I just sit as a coach and just say, no, 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 just, you just need to give that up. It goes deeper than that. The tentacles reach deeper than that into our soul. And so for me, I'm just going to share some of the ideas that began to shift that. I don't think the Lord took it lightly either. We deal with very difficult things on earth here, very difficult things. And sometimes we're just trying to cope the best we can. I don't know that he is always shaking a finger at us and saying, you need to do better. I think sometimes he understands where our coping mechanisms have come from. And, and so I do believe that he has compassion for us. But as we begin to walk again in a new path, 
we, this can be part of our disordered eating is if we're attached to food as our comfort. So right now in this episode, what I want to do is look at it from a little different light. Maybe um, introduce you. I, I do have another analogy in this episode that I'm laughing that I keep using <laughs> different analogies quite often, but I don't know that I'll do that a lot. But at, here at the beginning, there's been several that were pivotal for me. And this is another one of those. I, especially because I was a church girl, I've, I've always just been a follower of Christ. And so as I coped with the stress in my life, I, I didn't often tend to reach for hard drugs or alcohol or having an affair or some of the more, um, those addictions that seem a little more, um, dangerous, but food seemed like a very safe coping mechanism. I mean, so socially acceptable, right? I mean, we joke about, it's like the common, we just know that's what we all do at the end of a hard day. It's the ice cream, it's the Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. It's a trip to, you know, our favorite store to grab our favorite treat because we deserve it. And uh, this is so socially acceptable that it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And that's what I told myself for a very long time. I mean, it's just chocolate. It's not heroin. I'm not going to be put in jail. It's just chocolate. It's harmless. Just my fun little guilty pleasure. So let me just read a few scriptures and then share this analogy with you and, and talk about a few ideas. So maybe we can begin to see this in a different light. But again, as you do so, have some compassion for the, the stressful and hard places we've been over the years and how we've just been trying to, to handle those the best we can. Christ says um, in, through the words of Isaiah in chapter 55, and you know this well. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight in fatness. A lot of times when we reach for food, is it really our body that's hungry? When we're moving into the realm of comfort eating, I would like to suggest no, no, has nothing to do with a growling stomach. It's a soul that's growling. Uh, Author Kyle Eidelman pointed, pointed this out once to me in his book, Gods at War, and he has a whole chapter on the God of food. But he asks this key question. He says, how often do we try to treat a troubled soul as if it were a growling stomach? So maybe look at at your life and the times when you reach for that favorite little treat. What is driving it? Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, we don't even stop and ask ourselves that. It sounds ridiculous for me to walk in the kitchen and say, my soul is hungry, but I'm going to try to see if food will, will satisfy that. I don't take the time to stop. I'm just feeling an urge, like I don't have enough, like I need something. And that's the closest thing. It provides me a little fix. And so I grab it, not even thinking about what I'm doing. Kyle um, Eidelman continues. He says, the comforter is what God calls himself. 
He is the God of all comfort and is ready to talk with you about your day. The Prince of Peace waits to give you his gifts and strengthen you. He wants to be your satisfaction. And then he says, Frank Farrell has written, A very large part of mankind's ills and of the world's misery is due to the rampant practice of trying to feed the soul with the body's food. Have you ever done that? I can tell you I have probably 10,000 times. It was always about my soul. It was very rarely about my body. I wasn't even cued into what my body needed. It was almost always, that was my stress reliever. That was my comfort. That was the thing I ran to when I needed help coping. Now again, our tendency is often to say, what's the big deal? It's just a little food. It's not that, it's not that bad. Can I have anything? We start to really quickly react defensively. I did. Like, is God going to take everything away? I can't even have this. And, and thankfully, the Lord was gentle with me. It began to help me see it in a different light so I could see it from his perspective. That's what was missing for me. I remember one of my biggest light bulb moments came when I saw this little analogy I talked about. I saw it portrayed in a video online. And I'd never seen it this way before. And it just knocked me completely off my feet. It's like the Lord finally went, see, this is what I've been trying to get you to understand. So I wanted to share it and just talk about it for a minute. It's a simple little analogy. And it comes through the story of a husband and wife who are celebrating their anniversary. And they decide for this occasion to go out to a fancy dinner. They get all dressed up, go to their favorite place. They're excited to have this, this night to commemorate their relationship together. And as they walk into the, the um, restaurant, they're led to the table that's been reserved for them. The husband looks down and sees it's set for five, not two. And he begins to protest and the wife no, quickly shushes him. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Just sit. Let's, let's look over the menu. I'm so excited. What are you going to have? What are you going to try? And she distracts him and, and they begin to plan their meal together. And he doesn't think much more about it. Well, before long, suddenly a man um, comes running up to the table and says, oh, sorry, I'm late. And the wife jumps up and grabs him. And the husband suddenly realizes this is one of her old high school boyfriends. And she gives him a hug and a kiss and, and acts like she's not surprised to see him. She invites him. Sit down, sit down. Thank you. I'm so glad you came. And he sits at the table and joins them for their dinner. Well, the husband's jaw is dropping at this point. But before he even has a minute to respond to this new development, in walks another man and comes up to the table. This one turns out to be her old college boyfriend. She gives him the same greeting, kiss, an affectionate hug, welcomes him to the table, asks him how he's been, and just acts like it's nothing to have him joining this party as well. Well, the husband is starting to sputter a bit and, and steam coming out his ears. He's not happy about this situation. And as he begins to voice his opinion, a third man walks up to the table, this time a colleague from work, and she gives him the same loving greeting and he completes the final spot at the table. Now, at this point, the husband explodes and just says, what in the world? Are you crazy? What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? 
This is our anniversary dinner. Why have you invited these men to the table? This is ridiculous. And just goes on and on. And she, she instantly grabs his hand and soothes him and rubs up and down his arm, puts her hand on the side of his face and says, honey, please, please just calm down. It's okay. I love you. I love you the best. I'm even married you. You're my favorite. I love spending time with you. But I just want to spend a little to other time, little time with these other men too. Is there any way this husband is going to sit at that table and allow this situation to proceed? Would you? <laughs> would, would you if your spouse did this to you? Absolutely not. I expect my husband to give me his whole heart, all his love, not a divided heart. Even if he says to me, JC, you're my favorite. I married you. I'm committing my life to you. I just want a little time with these others. That's all. We wouldn't abide that for a second. And yet, we introduce all kinds of other loves into our life and expect Christ to sit at the table. He who is supposed to be our whole love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy strength. He's asked for that. He deserves that from us as our Redeemer, our Savior. And yet I've joined hands with food and brought it to the table as one of my very favorite things. And suddenly I began to see it as another love. Maybe even say it as another lover. I gave a lot of time to it. I praised it and talked about it, told people, oh, and we talked about different kinds of treats and I got excited about it. it. It had part of my adoration. It is kind of the same feeling as a woman having an affair, that excitement. It didn't mean I didn't love the Lord, but part of my heart was given to this thing. It was my delight, not just him. And the more I began to look at it, I'd like to say it was half and half, or I gave him the majority of my time, but on really stressful weeks, food, food got my attention. That was where I ran first. Yes, sometimes I'd run to the scriptures or hit my knees, but the candy bar was right there. And, and whatever I did by automatic pilot, you know, if I just ran and grabbed it, didn't even think about it. What does that show about the devotion of my heart? What does that show? This was really difficult for me to look at because um, I had never intended for it to be that way. I love the Lord. I very much wanted to give him my heart and, th and thought I was. I had never seen food as another lover in my life, but it was my true comfort most days. The worst part about it, as I began to study this some more and think about it some more, the worst part about it was I began to realize that it was a really deceptive lover. Like we talked about, it was my soul that was needing care and love and attention and comfort. But food, <laughs> it's a disconnect. It can't feed me that way. All it can do is hit my taste buds for a minute, give my brain a little happy rush for as the sugar hits my brain, but it fades and I have to go back for more and back for more. It doesn't feed me in a way that comforts deep in my soul. And yet I kept running to it as if somehow I had no other choice. 
I mean, he is the God of all comfort. He says, let your soul delight in fatness. There is a fatness <laughs> that comes through Christ that doesn't even compare to what the Hershey's bargain do. Why haven't we opened our eyes to that? Yes, sometimes I did. Most of the time it was when I was really desperate and even the food wasn't working. And you relate to that? So desperate, so miserable that I would come to his fate and just say, help, help me, I'm drowning. But for the little things during the day, ooh, it was my guilty pleasure. It was my little illicit lover sitting next to me at the table as I tried to commune, commune with Christ. I brought it along everywhere we went. He could only get part of my heart. So I can't, I won't say that having that aha moment um, immediately shifted everything and made me say, oh, it's over. I, I wanted it to be over. See, I'm going to get emotional now. I don't want to get emotional on a podcast. I wanted, I wanted for it to be over. I wanted to not be so attached. I wanted to give him my whole heart, but it was so complicated. I didn't know how that would work. Again, I felt like life would be so meaningless without that little tree. How am I, how am I supposed to survive? I didn't know how to lean on a person I couldn't see. Food was right there in my fingertips, right there on my tongue. How does a God that's invisible compare with a very visible and, and very real taste and feel and comfort of food? That took some time for me to learn. And it's, it's the whole reason I created the Satisfied class. I've had so many women say to me, I know, I know I need to turn this over to the Lord. I know I'm, I'm using food as a false comfort, but what does that look like? How do I do it? I don't feel like I can change. I, I don't know how to stop. And that's what we do in that satisfied class is answer that question. That's why there are eight sessions because it wasn't simple for me, but it was possible. And the changes that came as I began to take that lover and walk him to the door and ask him politely to leave where I could walk over and turn my heart completely to the bridegroom who has given me his life. Everything began to change. He could satisfy my soul with fatness, just like he promised in Isaiah 55, because now I was giving him that opportunity to have my whole soul. We can't have the whole benefits of him as our bridegroom, as, as being the bride of Christ. We can't have the benefits of that relationship if we're not all in, if we're running to all these other lovers to get just a little taste, just a little taste. There's got to be a breaking from that doesn't mean I never enjoy food. It doesn't. But he had to get me to a place where it, it took its proper priority in my life, where it just became a gift from him that I could thank him for. A good meal with my husband at a restaurant. I love that. But it wasn't my best friend anymore. I knew where to ran, run. And I knew what that looked like. If this relates to your life. If I have spoken your language, 
and maybe piqued your soul. Join me in my satisfied class. Come walk this road with me and learn how to let Christ become our all to let us just feast on his fullness and not the temporary and shallow comfort of food. It really will satisfy your soul in such a way that'll be hard to find words to describe. But like me, you'll try to tell others. It'll be hard to not talk about it. Once you finally tasted his fatness, it'll change your life for good. All right. I just offer that with so much love, so much compassion that it's a difficult subject, but offering also the hope that there is a way out and that there is a way to detach ourselves and to attach ourselves fully and only to Christ. Have a blessed, beautiful day. Continue your journey and, and join me in the next episode.